Okay, good evening and welcome to the October 12th, 2022 hybrid meeting of the San Francisco Board of Appeals. President Rick Swig will be the presiding officer tonight and he's joined by Vice President Jose Lopez, Commissioner Alex Lemberg, Commissioner John Trezvina, and Commissioner Epler. Also present is Deputy City Attorney John Givner, who will provide the board with any needed legal advice. At the controls is the board's legal assistant, Alec Longway, and I'm Julie Rosenberg, the board's executive director. We will also be joined by representatives from the city departments that will be presenting before the board this evening. Corey Teague, the zoning administrator representing the planning department, and Matthew Green, acting chief building inspector with the Department of Building Inspection. The board meeting guidelines are as follows. The board requests that you turn off or silence all phones and other electronic devices so they will not disturb the proceedings. No eating or drinking in the hearing room. The rules of presentation are as follows. Appellants, permit holders, and department respondents each are given seven minutes to present their case and three minutes for rebuttal. People affiliated with these parties must include their comments within these seven to three minute periods. Members of the public who are not affiliated with the parties have up to three minutes each to address the board and no rebuttal. <clears throat> Mr. Longway, our legal assistant, will give you a verbal warning 30 seconds before your time is up. Four votes are required to grant an appeal or to modify a permit or determination. If you have questions about requesting a rehearing, the board rules or hearing schedules, please email board staff at boardofappeals at sfgov.org. Now, public access and participation are of paramount importance to the board. SFGov TV is broadcasting and streaming this hearing live, and we will have the ability to receive public comment for each item on today's agenda. SFGov TV is also providing closed captioning for this meeting. To watch the hearing on TV, go to SFGov TV cable channel 78. Please note that it will be rebroadcast on Fridays at 4 p.m. on channel 26. A link to the live stream is found on the homepage of our website at sfgov.org forward slash BOA. Now public comment can be provided in three ways. One, in person. Two, via Zoom. Please go to our website and click on the Zoom link. Or three, by telephone. Call 1-669-900-6833 and enter webinar ID 841-1769-6982. And again, SFGov TV is broadcasting and streaming the phone number and access instructions across the bottom of the screen if you're watching the live stream or broadcast. To block your phone number when calling in, first dial star 67, then the phone number. Listen for the public comment portion for your item to be called and dial star 9, which is the equivalent of raising your hand so that we know you want to speak. You will be brought into the hearing when it is your turn. You may have to dial star 6 to unmute yourself. You have three minutes, and our legal assistant will provide you with a verbal warning 30 seconds before your time is up. Please note that there is a delay between the live proceedings and what is broadcast and live streamed on TV and the internet. Therefore, it is very important that people calling in reduce or turn off the volume on their TVs or computers. Otherwise, there is interference with the meeting. If any of the participants or attendees on Zoom need a disability accommodation or technical assistance, you can make a request in the chat function to Alec Longway, the board's legal assistant, or send an email to boardofappeals at sfgov.org. Now, the chat function cannot be used to provide public comment or opinions. Please note that we'll take public comment first from those members of the public who are physically present in the hearing room. Now, we will swear in or affirm all those who intend to testify. Please note that any member of the public may speak without taking an oath pursuant to their rights under the Sunshine Ordinance. If you intend to testify at any of tonight's proceedings and wish to have the board give your testimony evidentiary weight, raise your right hand and say, I do, after you have been sworn in or affirmed. Do you swear or affirm that the testimony you're about to give will be the truth, the whole truth, or nothing but the truth? Okay, thank you. If you're a participant and you're not speaking, please put your Zoom speaker on mute. And commissioners, regarding the order of the agenda, after consultation with President Swig, we will hear item number five, appeal number 22-056 at 51 Pixley Street, before item number four. 
So we are now moving on to item number one, which is general public comment. This is an opportunity for anyone who would like to speak on a matter within the board's jurisdiction, but that is not on tonight's calendar. Is there anyone here for general public comment? Okay, I don't see any hands raised, so we'll move on to item number two, commissioner comments and questions. Commissioners, anybody have any comments, questions? <coughs> Seeing none, let's move on. Okay, so we'll move on to item number three. Commissioners before you for discussion and possible adoption are the minutes of the September 28, 2022 Board of Appeals meeting. I have a motion, Mr. Trezvenia. Okay, is there, is there any public comment on the motion to adopt the minutes? Please raise your hand. Okay, since there's no public comment, we have a motion from Commissioner Trezvina to adopt the minutes. On that motion, Vice President Lopez? Aye. Commissioner Lemberg? Aye. Commissioner Epler? Aye. President Swig? Aye. That motion carries five to zero and the minutes are adopted. We are now moving on to item number five. This is appeal number 22-056, Tamar Ben-Shakar and Michael Jen versus Department of Building Inspection, Planning Department Approval, Subject Property 51 Pixley Street, appealing the issuance on July 19, 2022 of an alteration permit. Remove existing 50-square-foot wood frame deck, non-conforming, and wood frame stairs. Remove existing man-made man door and replace with new windows. This is permit number 2021-0416-8740. And we will hear from the appellants first. You have seven minutes. Yes, you can just go in the middle there. Welcome. Cool. Hi, thanks guys. Um, so yeah, we are the new owners of 51 Pixley. We took off this permit from the previous owners. So the appeal was started by the previous owners and then we just continued it um, when we took over the, the house. Uh, we have no desire to remove the deck um, it doesn't violate anything from the, the BDI uh, contacted Daniel, I forget his name, but is, he was the district uh, inspector from our District 5, which is where the, the house is. Um, there's been no violation. There's been no citation from the city. Uh, and so we just ask that uh, it not be removed. Yep. There's also been no complaints from neighbors. Um, and... Uh, if you do, please go in the middle. Thank you. Yeah. So there's been no complaints from neighbors as, uh, either. So as far as we can tell, there's it's causing no harm, and so we just, you know, like to keep the stairs and deck as is, uh, uh, and um, that's that is our request today. Okay. Are you finished with your presentation? Okay. I, I don't see any questions at this time, so you can have a seat, and we will hear from the planning department. Thank you. Good afternoon, President Swig, Commissioners Corey Teague, Zoning Administrator for the Planning Department. Welcome to Commissioner Epler. It's my first hearing since you've been seated, so welcome to the commission. Um, this one is, uh, I think, a fairly straightforward case, and I completely understand the desire of the new property owners to want to keep the um, deck and stair at the rear that provides access. But just to give you background and context of kind of how we are where we are today, Again, this is an appeal of a permit issued at 51 Pixley Street to remove um, a previously unpermitted deck and stair at the rear yard of the existing home. Um, so back in 1983, a variance was first granted at that time for a uh, for lot area and rear yard in order to split the original lot 
that was lot 10, into two lots, right? The lot 29, lot 30, this created a lot that fronted on Filbert and a lot that fronted on Pixley, but two substandard lots with substandard rear yards. Um, and that variance included a specific condition of approval that stated, quote, that a minimum 30-foot separation between the rear wall of the existing building fronting on Filbert Street and the rear wall of any proposed development facing on Pixley Street, which shall remain open and unobstructed and the existing dwelling and any proposed dwelling each have a minimum rear yard of 15 feet. So basically the zoning administrator at that time said, in order to grant the approval to allow this lot split and create a new lot and allow a, a you know, development of a new home, that the absolute minimum rear yard unobstructed that can happen is 15 feet. And so that was like a condition on allowing the lot split. So that was granted. Subsequently, the lot was split into the two substandard lots. And in 1986, permit was issued to build the home um, at 51 Pixley Street with the required 15-foot uh, minimum rear yard and 30 feet of separation between the two homes. At some point after that time, the existing uh, rear deck and stairs were built without the benefit of a building permit or a new rear yard variance, which would have been required. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, in 2021, the previous property owners applied for a variance to remove the existing approximately 50 square foot deck and stair at the rear um, and construct a new approximately 130 square foot deck with a spiral stair um, and associated property line firewalls. The property owner also stated that if that new proposal was not approved through the variance, their desire was to have the existing deck and stairs approved through the variance so that could be legalized. There was opposition from the rear neighbor, adjacent neighbor that fronts on Filbert to the variance. And at that hearing, which um, occurred in December of this past year, um, I had stated clearly that, that, um, that I intended to deny the variance and require the removal of the existing unauthorized deck and stairs because the original variance was nece uh, necessary to create the substandard lots and substandard rear yards, and that the ZA at that time adopted very clear conditions that they deemed necessary to create such a substandard scenario. And so violating those conditions now after the fact would be um, you know, something that would be taking away a condition that the ZA felt was necessary at that time even to create the situation. Um, and so following that hearing, the property owner withdrew their variance request instead of getting a variance denial. So we had the letter drafted and ready to issue, and then they withdrew, which was their option to do. So there was no actual formal denial of the variance, even though that was the stated intent at the hearing. Um, so that's why it maybe it's a little bit weird in the sense that technically the variance wasn't denied. There's no denial letter because they withdrew their application before it was actually issued. But at the hearing, there was a very clearly stated intent to deny, including the option to keep the existing deck and stair that's there. Um, so the property owners understood that. We had conversations with them about that. They, they fully understood the scenario. Um, they withdrew their variance and they filed this building permit to remove the unauthorized stairs, which is something that was required. And that permit was issued on July 19th of this year. That's what's before you now. We never opened um, an enforcement case because if property owners are actively moving forward to abate a recognized situation, there's no need to kind of open up a case because they're actually doing what the case would be intended to do, which is just abate the violation. So we never opened an enforcement case because the property owners were taking the appropriate steps to remove the unauthorized deck and stairs. But that kind of brings us where we are now. We have new property owners. Um, you know, obviously, I don't know 
the level of disclosure and full understanding that the new property owners have relative to that background and that situation. That's something obviously the board can, can ask if, if that's relevant to you all. But going forward, the only way to legalize the existing stair and deck in the rear yard right now is through a variance. It would require a variance. So um, that would be required. We've already kind of made it clear and intent last December that, that that's not supported. Um, but that is a process that could still be gone through and have a variance, you know, denial letter. But that would be required in order to actually then issue a permit to legalize what's there now. So that kind of brings us to this specific permit. Um, again, the subject permit is necessary to correct a violation of the planning code, and it was properly issued. It doesn't violate the planning code. It's not, uh, I'll let our, my colleague from DBI speak, but I don't believe there are any issues um, in the building code perspective with the permit in terms of not being um, correct plans or in any way issued in an incorrect way. Um, and granting the appeal and denying this permit would leave an unresolved code violation that was already kind of recently addressed. So with that, the planning department respectfully requests that the board deny the appeal and uphold the building permit, but I'm also available for any questions you may have. We have questions from President Swig, Commissioner sure. Trisvenia, and Commissioner Lindbergh. Okay. So um, so the, in, the, in the first place, this structure was an illegal structure. Right, the, the home was built correctly, but the, right, but the protruding or obstructing deck and stair into the rear yard was never permitted. It wasn't on the original permit to right. build the home, um, and so that was an unauthorized structure. Right, and um, let's say a neighbor uh, who was cranky wanted to uh, um, complain to the mm -hmm. building department that they, this was built. And so then what would have happened? An NOV, notice of violation, would have been uh, put out there probably? Sure, I mean, if we would have gotten, if, if the knowledge of this scenario would have come through the typical enforcement process, through a complaint, mm. what would have likely happened is we would have gotten that, triaged it, been able to tell there's something to it, open an enforcement case. Whether or not we ever got to an NOV, that really depends on how property owners respond, because we, there's a lot of due process, and again, the whole point of our enforcement pro program is to bring about abatement of the violation. So um, sometimes just the notice of complaint, which is the first like preliminary notice we send out, is enough to get the property owner to take the action. Um, sometimes the next step is a notice of enforcement, which is kind of like, okay, we, we there's something really here. If, if you need to address this, or there will be a notice of violation. And then if it's not addressed appropriately, we issue the notice of violation, which is the formal NOV that's appealable. So that's the process it would have gone through. Obviously, how far along depends on how the property owner would have responded. And, and if the property owner would have responded and the notice of violation was filed, then the result would have been the, the, the removal of the deck and stairs. Sure. The, because it's against. Yeah, I mean, absent a new variance being granted, Right. to modify this original condition of approval and grant a new rear yard variance for the structure, a building permit cannot legally be issued to legalize it because it would require that variance first. So the, so the issue that occurred is that uh, the previous property owner uh, recognized the illegal structure. Maybe they um, I'm, could have been I'm conjecturing. Uh, they said, oh, we're going to sell this, this building, and when we go 
through the sale process, somebody's going to do their due diligence, and they're going to discover an unpermitted structure, and we're going to get in trouble. So might as well take a shot at it, and that's where I'm conjecturing a variance may have come from. Sure, and I, I mean, obviously I can't speak for the prior property owners or what was disclosed to the new property owners. Right. I, I mean, I can say that this is a situation where there's not a huge paper trail in the sense that there's no variance denial letter because they withdrew and there's no open enforcement case or NOV. Um, but the fact that they there was kind of clear communication and acknowledgement and a building permit submitted to remove an unauthorized deck and Sayer was on file, so there was acknowledgement, and there was, you know, we have emails, there was very clear acknowledgement and coordination with the prior property owner on the need to remove the deck and stair. So the, um, but regardless of how you look at it, uh, there was an original variance that said nothing can be built in this space. That's for sure. Second thing is somebody built something that should not have been built in that space, which therefore made it illegal or not legal. Um, there was seemed to be an attempt to legalize it uh, through the variance uh, filing, but then probably it was discovered, well, the feedback was, nah, not going to happen because the original variance over, would overrule a secondary variance. So you, what you're stuck with, whether you like it or not, is an illegal deck. And so the question is here, the, f the full extent of that is the removal of the deck and stairs, correct? Right. And just to be clear, like the zoning administrator, you know, now or in the future would have the authority to remove that condition of approval if they felt that was appropriate. Mm -hmm. Typically speaking, I know I can speak for myself and, and prior ZAs that I've worked with, again, when when a ZA grants a variance and has specific conditions of approval that they felt were necessary to that, especially when it's creating new substandard lots um, in a very tight space, um, unless there's been some really significant and relevant change in the actual facts of the case, right? Um, we are often very hesitant to change those decisions. Um, so have the authority to do it, but it's very, is, is definitely, we're very consistent in not doing in that unless there's very good reason and, and kind of facts on the ground have change. Yeah, and then once again, as we've brought up many times before, once you do that, you set a precedent, and then next week, we have somebody walking in here and saying, well, you did it for those guys, why can't you do it for us? So, you, you know, even though these current owners, what we're stuck with, and we'll move forward in the case, but what we're stuck with is, well, a deck got built, new people bought the house, uh, there, was a, there was an action that they adopted along with buying the house, uh, the action uh, uh, outed the, the situation, uh, which was the illegal deck, and now they're faced with an, an, an issue that is, that creates a situation. And sure. I mean, it's an issue that must be resolved one way or another. Right. And it, even though there was no final variance denial, denial letter issued, the, the, essentially the proposal to legalize what is there was considered as part of that proposal and hearing in, this, in, in the past, uh, in December of last year. So I'm, I'm, I don't want to hog the, the dais, but just one final question. If the variance process would have gone through, and you would have denied the variance, 
then you would have been stuck with a an illegal deck and stairwell a stairway. What would have happened then? The same thing that happened. A building permit would need to be filed to remove the unauthorized deck and stair. And that and that that would come as a result of an order from the planning department to say you got to remove the deck and stair because they are not legal. Right. And right? Whether we issue that variance denial or not is not really um, not a trigger issue to that need. Um, the fact that there was an unauthorized structure was discovered during the variance process, and unless the variance was approved to legalize it, um, whether it was withdrawn or denied is kind of immaterial. The, out, the outcome is still of an unauthorized structure that must be removed. Or a new variance considered and granted or denied and appealed, uh, that process would have to happen. Right. And if you're the new owner, you're going, ugh, surprise, surprise, we didn't bank on this. We bought a house with a deck, and now, we, now we're at risk of not having it. Again, I, I, I can't speak to you know, what the property owners were disclosed, what was disclosed to the new no, property I'm, owners. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's, that's sure. a whole different issue. That's a sure. civil case. That's not in our jurisdiction. Thank you. <clears throat> um, Mr. Trezina. You can take it from here. Thank, thank you, uh, President Swig, and thank you for the explanation of this uh, of this matter. Um, as I understand it, uh, I mean, there, President Swig talks about the issue of setting a precedent. There are a lot of legal principles involved in this case: statute of limitations, uh, discretion, uh, government action. Uh, what, what I see here is uh, young, I don't know about a couple, but young, young homeowners uh, who bought a home and a deck that uh, may be close to their age, if not older. Uh, and I'm wondering, since the time that the uh, deck was built in 1986, uh, 34 years, over a third of a century, has the city taken any affirmative steps to address the, the failure of a previous owner um, to, to comply with the uh, expectations from the 1980s? So based on our records, there hasn't been a prior complaint filed. So I don't, I don't think the department was ever aware of the unauthorized structure until this uh, the previous owners filed for this variance, and obviously, as part of the variance, you know, um, the original variance was key to the new variance, which had the clear condition and the, ob the obvious condition of, that exists on the site, where that it wasn't currently meeting <laughs> those prior conditions. So, I think prior to this variance application from last year, mm -hmm. the city was not did not receive any complaints on that issue and had not been aware. Right, and we we expect parties to matters to follow through on orders follow through on agreements and and apparently the and original and earlier owner did not do that uh, back in 1986 and the city didn't really do anything to follow up uh, we have we put some responsibilities on prospective homeowners to uh, to uh, check into matters I'm, I'm I'm not really clear given given the history that you just described how the new owners would know that there was a problem with, with, with the deck. Uh, so I guess my, my question is, uh, going forward, uh, having the permit, does having the permit today require these new owners to do anything? 
So a couple of things. Um, address your earlier issue, a question about how what they may have known or how they would have known. The, the two pieces of documentation that would have been available to them, again, I can't speak specifically about what was disclosed to them, but the variance in 19 in the 80s and those conditions of approval were recorded on the property as a notice of special restriction. So that would be on title that there's a condition that that you know that that space must be unobstructed. Um, and then the the previous owners had filed the permit to remove this, and that was on file when the new owners purchased. So I don't know if there was discussion about why are you removing <laughs> your deck and stair. Um, um, I, I I would assume there's some discussion on that, but I don't know. Um, so that's just to provide that information. Um, you know, if the permit is issued, obviously they need to move forward in a diligent fashion to do the work because there's an active violation. Even if we haven't issued a notice of violation, there is clearly, you know, a violation of the prior variance. If the permit is denied, you, you know, they would still need to take diligent action to try to legalize it. We can even go through the variance process again, which they could, um, and we can't, you know, can't say 100% what the outcome of that variance would be because that's a whole process, and we want to make sure we give, you know, allow that due process to happen and that public hearing to happen. But, you know, it's it, if we look at just the immediate past precedent of when that pro was proposed this past December, the direction was that it, that variance would not be granted. But that would be the option. They would need to take one of those two because you either have to take the process to legalize it, or go through the process and permitting and work to remove it. Thank you. Sure. Commissioner Lindbergh. I have a few questions, and some of these might be better suited for Mr. Green, but I'll ask them to both of you as appropriate. Um, the first one's the stupid question, and that is I've never, in my short time here, I've never seen a permit holder appeal their own permit before. Um, so the the stupid question is, couldn't they just rescind the permit? So a couple of things. Yes, I, in terms of the process for what a property owner or a permit holder can do to cancel an issued permit, I can let my colleague from BBI speak to that. Um, it's not common to have property owners appeal their own. Usually when we see that, that's because a permit has been issued. It's gone through a process where the planning department and BBI have approved it, but we've required modifications that a property owner doesn't agree with, right? Right. So they get it issued, but they want what they originally proposed. <laughs> they didn't agree with the required amendments from the planning department or the planning commission, and then they, that, that's an avenue for them to appeal their own to kind of get more of what they originally proposed. Uh, that's typically the scenario, but that doesn't happen very often. Um, but again, the question about canceling the permit, I believe that would be an option, kind of even without this, even if we don't deny it, they could cancel it. It would leave them in the same boat. You gotta right. either legalize it or remove it, but that that um, should be another option. Okay, next question. Um, this deck was built in the late 80s, let's assume, uh, by whoever um, was owning the property at that point in time. Um, and at some point in time, the illegality of this deck, the illegality of the construction of the deck came to planning and DBI's attention, causing this permit to be drawn. What was the triggering aspect that brought this to planning and DBI's attention in the first place? Was it sure. the former property owner filing for a variance to remove it? So it was, yes. Yeah, so first things first, we don't, 
again, in terms of when it was originally built, we know the home was built in 86. Right. Um, that did not include this deck and stair. One option is that it was just built at the same time as the home or immediately thereafter. But we don't really know. We don't have good aerial photography um, in this area until about 2000, 2001. So it could have been late 90s. We don't really know when. But um, in terms of, yeah, it, we became aware as part of the variance application. The original application was to basically demolish that and kind of expand what they have and do something more and replace it. Um, and replace the deck with a larger deck? Yes. Okay. Like basically do, because um, what's there now is a smaller one with access to the rear. They wanted a somewhat larger one, not massively larger, but a, lar a larger one. Um, and so as part of the review for that, obviously there was the prior variance with the conditions. And so when, when we were reviewing that, it was pretty easy to see that the original variant said that this has to be unobstructed and there was an obstruction there and the, no kind of prior variance or permit for that. Okay, that makes sense. Um, and so the, if the property owners had not applied for this variance, it, mo this deck most likely would never have come to the city's attention in the first place. I mean, it's definitely possible. I mean, it wouldn't have come landed on our desk unless there had been some other kind of building permit at some point, right? Or if a neighbor or interested party had filed a complaint right. to either us or DBI. But of course, uh, as the record shows, there is no, there are no complaints. There have been no complaints. Um, uh, not to planning. Apart, not yeah, to, definitely okay. not to planning. I can let, you know, Building inspection speak to any prior. I don't. I think there was one prior a long time ago, but I don't think that complaint was about um, about the uh, unauthorized structure in the rear to DBI. Okay, thank you. And then last question is: If just as a hypothetical, if we were to vote to revoke the permit to grant the appeal and revoke the permit, would planning then open an enforcement case because it's already in, you know, kind of. It's, it's already a known quantity. So the answer is that depends on the property owner. Because again, whenever violations are discovered as part of an existing approval process or permitting process, and the owners acknowledge it and take the action to address it, either through the legalization process or to remove the unauthorized structure, we don't take the time to open an enforcement case, assign a planner, because that's really not necessary. They're, they're taking the steps to, to address it. Um, so if this was denied, uh, or I should say if the appeal was upheld and the permit was denied, then it would, that would be the discretion, frankly, that the zoning administrator would have as to if and when to open an enforcement case and a notice of violation if the property owners weren't taking the appropriate action, you know, diligently. Okay. Thank you. Sure. Okay. Vice President yeah. Lopez. Uh, yeah, just one background question. I don't think I saw this in the record, but but how big is the encroachment into the 15 uh, deep yard requirement? That is a good question because um, I don't have the actual building permit plans pulled up here. Let's see if we has dimensions on the... I, I don't have that. I could try to get that for you in rebuttal if okay. you want. Um, I don't have the plans pulled up. I, it's not just from recollection. It's, um, again, the, the rear yard's only 15 feet. I believe that the obstruction into the, um, that 15 feet is essentially um, a landing and the stairs themselves. 
Um, it. I, it's not like a large, you know, f extending deck structure. It's not. It's not super large, but I can get the dimensions for you. On right, presumably, if the last or one of the previous owners was trying to make it bigger, <laughs> presumably it doesn't take over the entire yard now. But I guess I'm trying to understand if there's another middle ground, potentially, like if there's a a, a project that can be undertaken the, to to bring it within. Uh, that 15 foot compliance, it doesn't require a full demolition, but that's that's neither here nor there. Um, sure. One one question similar to uh, Commissioner Lemberg's to take the other fork in the road um, in a hypothetical where we deny the appeal, they have this permit on their hands. Does that set off some kind of shot clock with with planning, where you're kind of checking in to, to check in on the the, the development and the progress you know, yes. towards that project? Yeah, there's no official clock. There's nothing in the planning code that kind of gives you specific uh, benchmarks in terms of timelines. That's something that's under the zoning administrator's discretion um, and a judgment call as to if a property owner is you know, taking the diligent action um, in an appropriate time manner. Um, so the answer is yes, but not like a specific clock, so to speak. Got it. And I'm, I'm assuming um, much like your answer to to the previous hypothetical, that that that'll also depend on kind of the communications and reactions that you're getting from the property owner. Sure, because in this case, I mean, it, the only reason really to have the permit, the appeal uh, granted and deny the permit is if you're going to file for a new variance to try to legalize it or some version of what's there. So that would be the next step, um, and so that would need to be done. You know, again, in a, we use the term move forward diligently, even though that doesn't mean anything specific in terms of timelines. We work with people. It'd be like, how long would it take you to whatever it is, get an architect, get the plans, get the application submitted? You know, we don't set unreasonable timelines. We just want to make sure that people are actually moving forward to address the situation. And if there are potential delays, we can give specific timelines with an understanding that if these timelines aren't met, we're going to escalate the enforcement mm -hmm. process. Got it. All right. Thanks. Okay. Thank you. Commissioner Epler, are you? Thank you. Um, I, I appreciate that we've kind of stepped through the different permutations of process. Um, and since we keep on coming back to the need for an issuance of a variance in order to legalize the property, I, I want to ask just a tiny bit about that. Um, I note that in the brief it states that there are other encroaching decks uh, on this block, and this block has several substandard lots. Are those other lots similarly encumbered by a 1980s variance that uh, requires a certain rear yard? And if so, does that then imply that all the rest of those decks are similarly illegal, or have they been legalized through another process? I mean, the short answer is I don't know the answer to that. We'd have to look up, kind of research each one of those, um, because there's multiple issues. It's not uncommon that we have blocks that are um, kind of have a hodgepodge of lot pattern. Some of them, you have maybe a couple through lots, but maybe some lots that were originally split between the two streets, some that were split before we had those requirements and they didn't need a variance. So it's possible that you have some of these scenarios that kind of pre-existed the requirements. Um, you could have some of those where maybe some of those decks are unauthorized. We don't know. There are definitely plenty of unauthorized decks in the city. Um, so that, that would have to be kind of an undertaking. But for this one, the specific 
lot split and the dimensions and the conditions were very kind of custom and unique to you know, this property or these two properties really. Thank you. Sure. Hey, thank you. No further questions. No, no, I got. Oh, you have oh, your back. Okay, I'm, I thought I you forgot to take your cell phone. No, I did it pur purposely. Um, I didn't do it purposely, but then I decided I needed more questions. Okay. Um, the the variance, um, the most recent variance, not the variance sure. that started this whole thing. Um, was the variance on a newly designed expanded deck, or was it just related to an existing structure? to maintain the structure? No, the original proposal was to kind of remove what was there and build something larger, a larger deck and stair and an associated firewall on the property line. Oh, okay. um, but and, as part of that proposal, I just to, yeah. to clarify, the property owner did also make it clear, if that isn't approved, we'd like to have what's there legalized. Um, so even though that wasn't the official proposal, that was communicated and that was part of the conversation at the hearing in terms of legalizing what's there also. Um, in your opinion, can can we're talking around the elephant in the room? The fundamental question is: Can this deck be legalized? I mean, very technically, yes. I mean, a, a variance could legally be granted to remove or modify that original condition, such to allow something in the required rear yard. Um, so, technically, yes, it could. So there. So. We're, we're, we're not chasing a dream here. We're, we're, chase, we're chasing a, a, t a technicality uh, that has a high level of difficulty but can be achieved with initiative. I, I want to be really careful not to create false expectations. Uh, me too. Um, uh, me too. Very technically and legally, yes, the variance could be granted to legalize this. Yeah. Given the nature of that condition of approval, you know, it is an extremely high bar to, to get over, but very technically, it, it could happen. Okay, um, that, that, that's an important piece. And I'm gonna ask another question after, related to that okay. after we hear rebuttal, because I don't wanna ask it right now. Thank okay, you. One further question from Commissioner Trezvina. Uh, thank you, and, and thank you for the, as, as a new commissioner in education, to me, and I, I won't speak for my colleagues on this, but I, but this is educational. The the information you're providing about the overall um, issues that you are addressing, and my question relates maybe slightly less to this particular property, but more to the process in in, in general. Uh, here you have uh, a a structure that has not attracted any complaints over a period of time, and. Uh, we come here every couple of weeks, every week, two weeks, and we hear complaints from neighbors about various properties. And segregating the, I guess what I want to know is that the number of cases that you handle where there are, where there are active complaints from, from neighbors or others, that if, if this case goes forward into the, well, they're not diligently moving forward on their permit, or you now know that there is a, vi a violation of the original variance, it would go into the queue of potential cases that you're, you will have to devote staff time to and start, a pro start an enforcement process. I'm uh, wondering how many of the, how many cases do you have where there are people waiting uh, for your actions? Um, and so that's, the, that's, what, that's what I'm inter interested to know. 
Sure. And just to make sure I understand the question, are you trying to get a, distinguish the volume of cases between um, code violations that we're made aware of through complaint versus violations that we become aware of through our own observation, through applications, et cetera? Uh, yes, what I'm, what I'm really trying to get at is for the average San Franciscan who is mm -hmm. waiting for your department to act, how long are they waiting? And this case would be competing with those cases to get your staff's limited and defined, li limited attention. Gotcha. Um, I mean, that's a tough question because there's there's different types of applications and and kind of product that takes different times and has different backlogs and wait periods. So this would definitely, like you said, if it's a, another variance to consider to legalize it, that's going to be another project kind of in the queue. In terms of like how long people are waiting for my decisions, there's like a lot of variability there. I, I'm, I'm not sure I could really answer that in a kind of a meaningful, detailed way. Mm -hmm. I'm just trying to, I'm trying to get a sense as to, in terms of using your judgment, using your discretion, how important a case like this is compared to the other mm -hmm. ones where people are, are waiting for um, a violation to give them back their sun sunlight, give them back their privacy, give them back whatever, all the various things that they complain, complain about. Sure. I mean, it's hard to gauge kind of importance overall. We do have our own kind of internal priority system for how we triage and assign and staff complaints. There are some types of complaints that are higher priority that we have to get to first and some that are lower priority that take longer to get to. Um, something of this nature, typically, if there's no like life safety issue combined with it, you know, in terms of the Decker stairs being like noticeably unsafe, this would be in the lower priority category for sure. Um, but once we're kind of made aware of a code violation, like the source is not super you know, material to the fact that now that we're aware, it's an issue that kind of has to be addressed. Okay. Thank you. Sure. Okay. Thank you. No more questions at this okay. time. <laughs> sure. We will now hear from the Department of Building Inspection. I'm, I'm sorry. It's time for the oh. Department of Building Inspection. Thank you. Um, good, good evening, President Sweet Commissioners. Uh, Matthew Green representing the Department of Building Inspection today. Um, I don't have much to add to this case. Um, building permit to remove the deck was approved in April 7, 2022 and issued on July 19, 2022. I believe it was reviewed and issued uh, properly. Um, I think this is the wrong forum. If they choose to um, not go forward with this work, they should cancel the building permit, which is a very simple process. They'll just file for a cancellation and a refund. A senior building inspector will review it and verify that no work has started. They will cancel the building permit. Um, they would then obviously still have a deck that uh, they'd still be subject to any notice of violation if a complaint was filed. Um, the Department of Building Inspection hasn't received a complaint uh, in regards to this deck in the last 30 years. I checked our records. Um, as uh, the planning department said, this is a very low priority, priority to us if we did get a complaint. Uh, we would go through the efforts to gain access. Um, this wouldn't rise to the level that we would go to the um, litigation committee and ask for an inspection warrant. So I don't know if that helps you at all, but I'm available for any questions. No questions for you at this time. We are now moving on to public comment. Is there anyone here to provide public comment on this item? Please raise your hand. 
I don't see any public comments, so we will move on to rebuttal. So we will now hear from the appellants. You have three minutes. Uh, all right. Um, yeah. Well, first of all, thank you for taking our uh, taking the time out uh, to chat with us. Um, I guess I'll say, you know, we, we are not experts. We are not lawyers. We're not familiar with the zoning code. We're not real estate agents. Um, we were, you know, we both grew up in the Bay Area. We met in San Francisco, you know, and now we're looking at potentially starting a family here. Um, we do love San Francisco and all the old buildings and, you know, we want to preserve uh, some of that character to the extent possible. Um, and like the board recognized, the stairs are older than us by just a little bit. So um, they are sturdy, they are in good condition, um, and we don't think they uh, you know, are worth uh, the effort to uh, demolish or replace with something that is uh, you know, questionably you know, better. Yeah, I think just to add to kind of I think what you guys all kind of pointed out in your questioning, you know, this has been there you know over 30 years. There's been no complaints, but from neighbors, there's plenty of other illegal decks in the city. Kind of as you know, uh, as was mentioned, um, and this was only you know found out from a like a variance to get this legalized. So it's basically like we're incentivizing, disincentivizing, you know, homeowners to then legalize parts that were illegal from previous owners because now we are in this whole mess because of like a, an owner trying to legalize it. And I think that's just a really bad incentive for the city. Like we want things to be to code. We, there's, there's reason for that, but like this seems like a little, honestly, a, a, a waste of, uh, honestly, you know, resourcing and, uh, you know, a way to, to you know, keep more things uh, unpermitted in the city. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll also add, you know, we are law-abiding citizens and we will comply with whatever the board uh, decides. All right, thank you. We have a question from President Swick. Because it's been brought up before, was this disclosed to you during during this, uh, the purchase and sale process? This was disclosed among many other things, uh, and it was honestly a little bit overwhelming. Uh, we are first-time homeowners, so yeah. this came along with a you know a packet this large. Yeah, um, I understand. Um, uh, do you realize that you're kind of stuck between a, a, a rock and a hard place uh, because common sense would be everything that you're, you're saying, but the but the statute kind of flies in the face sometimes of of common sense. Do you, you understand that? Is, we acknowledge that appears to be the situation right. we're in. So uh, that's a that was a stupid lead-in question to the follow-up question. Um, uh, do, do you understand that, uh, according to the zoning administrator, there is a possibility of going uh, uh, legalizing it and, and going, but going maybe going through a few more hoops? And um, um, do you understand that that we could deny your appeal today, which wouldn't place you necessarily at risk? Um, for having somebody come down and come in and say rip down the deck tomorrow, but uh, but you, do you realize that you could go back, and in the words of the zoning administration, which I will paraphrase, uh, you could go through technical steps to get potentially, possibly, 
a, a variance which would legalize this thing. So this would be much ado about very little, but except that you would have to go through a few hoops. Do you understand that? Yeah. Okay. I just wanted to clarify that. Nope. Uh, we're working hard here to get you where you need to be, but it may be a little painful. Okay. Commissioner Trezvina has a question. Uh, thank you. Uh, I was intrigued by Mr. Green's uh, analysis of the situation. It was succinct and it was uh, an idea of uh, you withdrawing the permit and then the city agencies working to address the, ver the, the violation that they are now aware of. Uh, do you have any reaction to his notion of of, of your withdrawing the permit? Yeah, so I talked to Alec, who is a legal assistant, and he advised not to do that because it limits our rights. So he said to just go through with it, um, with the appeal. Um, and because we, like, you know, obviously don't know the code very well, you know, we don't want to sort of limit. We thought we kind of, like, you know, l learn from you all about kind of what kind of the next steps are and, and go that route. Yeah, we can learn from you, too. <laughs> thank you. Okay, thank you. We will now hear from the planning department. Thank you again. Um, just on that last issue, I do think that the cleanest option all around, one of the reasons denying it is the cleanest, is because it upholds a permit that was properly issued. Um, it doesn't change the fact that they would either need to move forward and actually implement the permit and remove the stair index, or separately just keep that issued, don't take action on it file a variance application to legalize the deck, and if they got that variance, even though that seems not likely, then they could cancel this permit and then file a permit to legalize the deck. Um, but either way, there's kind of no penalty for them to just have this permit issued and available to use if needed at some point in the future, until which time it either expires or is canceled. Um, so they still have the same options no matter what happens to this permit. They still need to either actually do the work of the permit and remove the unauthorized structure or go through the legalization process. Um, it's kind of the same path no matter what's going on. Um, and separate from that, if you want to see plans from like what's existing now and what was previously proposed in the variance that was essentially denied, I can show that too. Overhead, please. Yeah. Okay, so this shows the 30-foot distance between the two homes, the property line, equidistance, 15 feet. Um, so this is what, they, there's like a third floor deck that's within the buildable area, and then that's, and that the second floor is where you have this small deck and landing and the stair, um, and it seems to go, you know, about halfway. It's not dimensioned on here, so I would assume it's something around eight feet. The proposal was to fill in this third floor deck here and you know demolish what was there and build up you know a full lot width um, deck and spiral stair here so that was the proposal was to either basically grant this or if not grant that grant a variance to legalize um, what's there now and again the the prior variance had the condition that required this full 15 feet to be unobstructed. 
Um, and I don't believe I have any other follow-up, but I'm, of course, again, available for any questions you may have. All right. So if we, if we deny the appeal, then the permit holds. And then, as you say, it holds. And they're not going to do anything with it because they're not going to build anything anyway. Correct. Well, they would have a choice, right? They would they would have to either move forward what, to implement the permit or go what, through the variance process. What, what they're what they're what they're indicating is that mm -hmm. they would not be building what they're doing and maintaining what they have. So at some and then it would be advisable to them whether we it would be advisable to them uh, per your uh, testimony today that they. Um, start a, a variance process to go through the technicalities to see if they can sustain what they have and what sustain what they have today is, is that would be the process available to them and if that variance was denied then that could be appealed and we would be back we would be back here again right, right. then you okay. would be um, looking at the the merits of the actual variance itself instead of this permit okay if we upheld the appeal, then the permit goes away, and then they're stuck with an illegal structure, which based on your testimony, they have to, if they want, they don't want any more trouble from the city, they have to apply for a variance and uh, to maintain that structure. And then there's a possibility that variance would be denied, and then they would appeal, and we would see them here again. So, so regardless of whether we deny the appeal or uphold the appeal, we end up uh, potentially back here in front of us to discuss the merits of your, your denial of their variance, according sure. to what I'm hearing, right? Correct, and because of that, the so, reason I'm saying it would be better to to keep this permit issued is if they do decide to go through the legalization option and they take that all the way through to the board and just, you know, um, to go through that process, let's say the variance is denied, it's appealed to the board, the board upholds the denial, then they're back where they are now, which is they need to get a permit to remove it, which they have, but now they won't have, and they'll have to file a new one at whatever cost and expense that is. So having this permit issued and active is like a nice fallback because so, they can. That doesn't pre prevent them from still going through the legalization path. And if you know if that variance is granted either by the zoning administrator or on appeal, then they can cancel this permit because they won't need it. But if they don't, you know, succeed in that route. They'll be able to fall back on this permit and not have to file a new permit to do essentially the same thing. So, so in the, in the spirit that normally we have somebody else up, up, appealing a permit, not right. the owner of not the holder of the permit. So, what you're what you're you're saying is we should deny the appeal because that will maintain the permit, and that would be the best position that they should be in leaving this the, this room tonight. Yes, I believe so. Okay. Okay, thank you. We'll now hear from thank you. DBI. 
Thank you. Um, I'd just like to add that if you do deny the appeal, the uh, building permit would be good for 360 days. Um, they'd also be eligible for automatic one-time extension for another 360 days. So they have basically two years to decide before the permit expires whether they wanted to remove remove the deck or proceed with the um, the variance to legalize it. Okay, President. No. Is there any action that we could take tonight that would uh, extend that term beyond the one-year extension and the the, uh, the one-year plus the extension? Uh, I don't believe so. The length of the permit is based on the value of the work, and this okay. is a fairly uh, low value. Permit. I got it. Thank you very much. Thank okay. you. Okay. Thank you, commissioners. This matter submitted. Start since I did all the yakking. I, I think I think what's Clear from the zoning administrator that in the best interest of the permit holders we deny their appeal um, to cancel their permit because it would be in their best interest to hold their uh, the permit uh, and and then let take nature take its course any comment mr trezina i'm learning a lot from you from the zoning administrator uh from uh, Mr. Green, and, and from members of the public. And what I see, once again, is uh, a lack of communication and, and, and an inability on members of the public's part to be able to get information. I'm, I, and and I, I, I won't presume that they didn't get this information from the zoning administrator, I, so, I, so I, I withdraw that, but I, I see us trying to negotiate uh, pull information out, try to get it on the record, try to get make sure that the public understands. And the, this seems the, 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 your, your last exchange made it pretty clear that this is going to bounce back and forth, back and forth, and they, and they could very well be back here. And oh. the, the only question is whether they're going to be here with a permit that they may need or they may... Uh, never use, but at least they'll have it. And it seems to be a very difficult way of addressing a, a, a deck that's been around for as old as, as old as the new homeowners. Welcome to the People's Court and the Board of Appeals, well, sir. sir. Thank, thank you. You'll, and, you'll, and you'll get used to it over the extent of your current term and potentially future terms. Well, that's, well uh, that's what we do. Well, well, right, but I think there, I think there are other issues. There are other. I hope I maybe we're not in the right position to 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 uh, raise the issues of of how members of the public are interacting in the whole process. Uh, but I do hope that we can uh, raise up these issues and examples so that we can have some some uh, better public and community service. Yeah. Thank you. Mr. Lemberg? No, no. I'm sorry. We're in deliberations now. Um, I just want to say, I, as far as analysis goes, I agree with President Swig that I think denying the appeal is the best path forward. Um, my heart goes out to you, new homeowners. You did not ask for any of this, and, uh, and you are now stuck in this kind of ugly situation. Um, but... There's been a lot of information given tonight, and uh, and I think there are multiple paths forward for you. 
uh, and I wish you the best of luck in starting your new family and uh, with your new home, because uh, you deserve it, and you don't deserve all this drama. <laughs> Mr. Lopez. Yeah, I, I want to echo that, and I think, um, you know, to to the appellants, you know, we're, we're probably going to rule against your appeal. Um, as odd, odd as it is to appeal your own permit, you know, in a complicated way, it gives you more optionality, uh, you know, to be able to use it if you ever need it. Uh, but that's, you know, what I would say is that that's not a statement on the the merits of, of your arguments. I think that uh, I would completely uh, align myself with uh, the comments that you all made about the incentives that uh, arise from this. I think the incentive is to lay low if you've got something uh, illegal and you know not you know bring sunshine uh, into into that situation. Um, and I think uh, in that way, again, you know, we, we have been um, delegated certain powers and authorities and, and we can't, uh, you know, just uh, create policy or administer uh, policy, you know, from the quote unquote bench over here. Uh, but, but clearly if this is the situation that we find ourselves in, uh, it's not exactly the most uh, well-oiled a machine for the benefit of the citizens of San Francisco. And I just want to acknowledge that uh, because I think otherwise it just looks like, hey, we didn't get our outcome that we wanted in this case. But I do think, and I hope that you've been able to glean through the the questioning and, and statements, uh, you know, from from various parties that, that you know, the, the story doesn't necessarily end uh, here tonight, that there you know, there is a timeline for, um, you know, optionality on your part, whether that's looking at an alternative solution uh, that, that is still within the, the, the requirements, whether that's pursuing uh, a, another variance, uh, you know, uh, decision, uh, however uh, unlikely that may be. And, um, and I think you've also heard this evening that, um, that I think the the city's resources will will be kind of calibrated appropriately uh, to account for the fact that we don't have you know a record of complaint for for decades on this thing. So I just wanted to to uh, I guess thank you for for coming in and uh, you know provide the the appropriate kind of context for what I think is going to be uh, a decision against you on the appeal. Commissioner Appler. I, I agree with my uh, fellow commissioners. Um, I, I do think um, that that we're here, um, and there's there's an element of the comic or the absurd to the reason that we're here. And I'm not 100% sure that it's San Francisco law, but I think it's a very unique set of facts and circumstances that brings us here. I think that the real question that that should be considered is not this particular permit, it's an unpermitted piece. I mean, it's like it's it's an a priori issue in a lot of ways. The real issue is the rights of these homeowners vis-a-vis -vis the other homeowners around them that do have decks, and the issues get heard through the variance process. And I think that's where 
we'll be able to fully scope the issues um, and understand what's going on and make sure that justice is actually done. Okay. Um, yes, if I could also, also just say that while there are systematic problems or bureaucratic issues that we need, all need to work out in terms of what you have in front of you or and, and, and behind you in your home is um, granting or not granting your appeal does not really make a difference to what your obligations are and what the likelihood of the city trying to remove trying to remove your deck in the future so that the relief that you're seeking is not is not necessarily ours to give give you we could grant it we could deny the appeal you but you'd still be going home faced with a deck that was improperly uh, built uh, years and years and years ago and you and you would be facing the bureaucracy in this way I think if if we deny your appeal uh, you would you would have a permit in in the instance in which you would ever have to use it so um, I'm gonna make the, the motion before I make the motion uh, l l let's let's call really to the attention why we're here in the first place there was a variance of originally there was an NSR originally uh, the NSR really drove this and so it was uh, and if we were to have created the NSR if we all would have been here 30 years ago and created the NSR we would be saying here well we did this NSR for a reason and we want that NSR respected and, and so I'm I'm sympathetic to the zoning administrator for upholding the strength of that NSR and I and um, and that's what's really important in this case is the existence of the NSR which is really getting in the way of this little this little bit of square footage uh, but I think we're going in the right direction and I think uh, to the to the permit holder you're gonna be happy that you're gonna continue holding the permit it will come to your aid and we may see you again as you pursue this at least we won't have to read up on you because we've already we know it by heart. Um, so, um, motion to deny the appeal on the basis and uphold the permit on the basis. Oh, on the basis, I need that it was properly issued. That it was properly issued. Simple as that. Okay, okay. So we have a motion from President Swig to deny the appeal and uphold the permit on the basis it was properly issued. On that motion, Vice President Lopez. Aye. Commissioner Trezvina. Aye. Commissioner Lemberg. Aye. Commissioner Epler. Aye. So that motion carries five to zero and the appeal is denied. So. Thank you. We are now moving on to item number four. This is a special item, an informational presentation by the planning department. It's a presentation by Corey Teague, zoning administrator on the planning department's review process for common types of applications, building permits, discretionary review, conditional use authorization, variances, large project, authorization, et cetera. The presentation will also cover section 308.2 of the planning code and discuss the appeal process of actions taken by the zoning administrator, including but not limited to variances, letters of determination, revocation of suspension request, and notices of violations. And uh, since this will be a training video for the future, uh, we ask that you hold your questions until the presentation is concluded. Thank you. I'll take, no, you can't. No, I'm just kidding. Of course you can. 
Thank you. Thank you. Corey went to get water. He's coming right back. Do you want a five-minute break? Oh, he's... No. No. Okay. Sorry, a little technical snafu. We don't have it on the computer. I thought we did. So can we take like a five-minute recess just to get it loaded up on the computer? Absolutely. Okay. If that's if, okay, if five that, minute okay recess. with the board, just to get this loaded up. Okay. This is being recorded. TV, San Francisco Government Television.
Okay, welcome back to the October 12th, 2022 meeting of the San Francisco Board of Appeals. We are now on item number four. Thank you and welcome Mr. Teague. Thank you. Um, good evening again, Commissioners Corey Teague, Zoning Administrator with the Planning Department. Um, in kind of recognition that we have several new members and even despite that, in the past, um, the department has come before the commission to give kind of informational sessions on specific topics um, related to some appeals you may be seeing. Um, as you all are well aware, you know, your scope of review covers many different agencies and many different types of approvals and, and um, actions. Um, but just within the planning department, there's a fairly large number of approvals and actions that are appealable to this board. And even though you don't see appeals of all of those very often, and there are specific ones you see mostly, um, I still want to take the opportunity just to kind of lay that foundation for everyone and have an opportunity to go through kind of a full accounting of basically every action out of the planning department or our commissions, whether the planning commission or HPC or the zoning administrator, that is an approval or an action that is appealable to this board. So it's have a, kind of an understanding. But it's also intended to be kind of, you know, 30,000 foot, not get into the weeds of each type of approval, but to definitely be open to any questions that any of you may have about any of those approvals or procedures or anything related to planning department approvals that may end up here. And I'll be happy to answer the questions that I can tonight. And of course, if there are any questions that I need to look into more, we can follow up on that. And if there are any topics um, that after this presentation or Q&A that you want to request to have more information on, we're happy to provide that. Um, to that point, we have already scheduled into the future a couple of other informational sessions on some, on some specific topics that are relevant to appeals that you have already been seeing and you may see more of in the future. So we're already kind of thinking proactively on that, but we definitely want to hear back from you all if there are any specific topics that you want to um, have covered. So with that, we'll just get started. And um, I figured we, the best place to start is to weed out the things that don't come before this board so we can be clear on that. So first of all, just one slide of the approvals that come out of the planning department that are not appealable to the Board of Appeals. First of all, our environmental determinations. So when we implement the CEQA, California Environmental Quality Act, um, we have different types of determinations that are made, categorical exemptions, mitigated negative declarations, EIRs, et cetera. Those are appealable either to the Planning Commission for, for NEGDEX or more generally to the Board of Supervisors. Um, then separately from that, conditional use authorizations from the Planning Commission, those are also appealable to the Board of Supervisors, not to the Board of Appeals, and there's a specific bar that must be met in order for that appeal to be valid. Um, as some of you may know, um, basically our entire western shoreline is in the uh, is in a coastal zone and to some degree is in the jurisdiction of the California Coastal Commission. Um, there are different zones of that area. Some of those zones, the coastal permits are appealable to the Board of Appeals and there are some more sensitive areas that are where the Coastal Commission maintains jurisdiction and those repeals are directly to the Coastal Commission. So it kind of depends on the geography of the coastal zone, but generally speaking, um, a lot of the uh, coastal zone permits that we issue would be appealable to the Board of Appeals. And then lastly, um, 
you know, the Office of Short-Term Rentals is also within the planning department, and we issue certifi uh, certificates for property owners to um, allow them to short-term rental their dwelling units. Um, and appeals of those approvals or denials of those certificates go actually to the, uh, the manager of the short-term rental office and not to the Board of Appeals. And that's basically it in terms of that's the few things that come out of the planning department that are not appealed to the Board of Appeals. And we'll move right along. And I tried to split these up basically between the actions that come from different kind of entities or places within the department and the commissions. And so first, just kind of actions related to the planning department as a whole. And this is where we have the most common um, approval that comes before the Board of Appeals, which is just building permits. Um, as you may know, building permits kind of begin and end at the Department of Building Inspection. You know, they are kind of a creature of the building code, but other agencies piggyback off of it and do their code review off of it as well. So that includes the planning department. It also includes, when relevant, DPW, PUC, um, health department, et cetera. Um, for our role in building permits, there's kind of different layers. Obviously, code compliance is the base layer. Building permit has to meet code, or if it's gone through a process to get a variance or something, it has to meet what got approved there. Um, we also have a level of policy review. As you may know, the city has discretion over the vast majority of permits that, that it sees, um, and that allows the city to implement um, controls that aren't kind of the quantitative objective controls, but more policy-based controls, and um, whether that's design review or other policies, sometimes those are um, policy issues at the department level. Sometimes those are policies that are adopted either formally or informally at the planning commission. Another issue that comes up before the planning commission some, and before the board of appeals sometimes is that a permit did not receive proper notice. Um, the two main forms of notice that are triggered sometimes, um, one is what we call 311. That's because it's section 311 of the planning code. That's in our residential districts where uh, most permits to expand the building envelope are going to require the 30-day notice to the 150-foot radius of owners and, and residents. Um, we also offer something just as a department. It's not a codified requirement. Um, it's a BBN. It's a block book notation. So essentially, any party can pay a fee to request on any particular property to be notified of permits before we sign off on them. And that BBN can be very broad, like any permit on this property, or it can be very specific. Sometimes people only want to see a permit for a certain type of scope of work on their neighbor's property, or there's all kinds of reasons why people do BBNs. But that's kind of a separate ad hoc um, process that we offer to people, and we will provide notice even if it doesn't trigger other notice under, under the planning code. And then, as you know, um, building permits, um, whether they go through a 311 notification process or not, they are eligible for any member of the public to request discretionary review by the Planning Commission. And so it's not uncommon that we'll have building permits that are appealed before the board here that also went through a discretionary review process and the Planning Commission took action. The important um, distinction there is that the appeal is not technically of the Planning Commission's action. It's an appeal of the permit, which the Planning Commission took action on through its discretionary review authority. So it's not a situation where, like, after the Planning Commission takes action on the DR, then there's, like, an appeal clock to, like, appeal their action. Essentially, the Planning Commission takes action on that permit, then it goes through the rest of the review process, DBI, others. The permit is issued, and then the appeal clock 
and 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 the, the appeal avenues through the permit itself. It's not technically the planning commission's decision, um, but that's the, obviously the most common thing that ends up before the board of appeals are just building permits, which um, the planning department has reviewed or sometimes didn't review, and we should have. There's all kinds of reasons why permits may come before the board. Um, another type of approval at the department level that very rarely get appealed are temporary use authorizations. So the the code does call out some very specific uses for very specific limited timeframes that may be approved. Um, and those authorizations are appealable to the Board of Appeals. Again, most of those are fairly small in scope and are limited in time. So we generally don't get appeals to those. I honestly, I don't think I even remember any appeal of a temporary use authorization since I've been in the department. Um, so I don't know what the, what the track record is on that, but it's pretty rare. Um, and then it's worth pointing out that obviously you hear appeals for uh, wireless telecommunica telecommunications services facilities, and that's technically not an appeal of a planning department action, that's the DPW action, but the planning department does play a kind of design and policy referral role in those approvals, so sometimes the appeal of DPW's action is based on concerns with the planning department's referral. So you'll notice sometimes there may be um, an appeal of a DPW issued or denied permit, and but the, the, the issues are actually focusing more on the planning department, even though we're not the ones that issued that. Just, just to make that note that we play a role in that, even though we're not the issuing agency. And then we can move on to the planning commission. Um, over the years, the number and type of entitlements that the Planning Commission may consider have grown. Originally, it was just conditional uses a long time ago. Um, over time, that's increased to include what we call downtown authorizations, uh, large project authorizations, home SF projects, office allocations. Again, I, meant, I, I put discretionary review in here with this caveat that like, a lot of times people appeal those permits because they disagree with the Planning Commission's action, even though they're not, it's not the same thing as appealing their direct action. And then interestingly, sometimes there are, there are these little miscellaneous tidbits in the planning code that will kind of say, it kind of creates this caveat to a code requirement, and it just says the Planning Commission may approve it. And it doesn't really call out a process, it doesn't say it's a conditional use, it's, it's kind of these interesting little uh, nooks and crannies in the planning code. Um, and those approvals go to the Planning Commission and would be appealed to the Board of Appeals, even though, again, those are, those are rare in general, let alone the appeals of those, but just to give you the full scope. Um, again, the downtown authorizations and large project authorizations are both very similar in the sense that they're for larger projects um, in downtown or generally in eastern neighborhoods, which is kind of Soma, Mission, um, Showplace Square, Dogpatch, that general area. And they allow the Planning Commission to grant exceptions to certain quantitative code, so in code requirements. So instead of getting a variance, you go to the Planning Commission and they can give you relief from rear yard or open space or tower separation or any number of quantitative requirements. And those reviews are generally based on policy and design more than, um, you know, variance is typically based on a much more rigid um, set of findings that the, that the zoning administrator has to, has to make. 
Uh, Historic Preservation Commission is a little bit smaller bucket. They issue or deny certificates of appropriateness and permits to alter, both major and minor. And this is in our Article 10 buildings and Article 11 districts. So we have had um, an informational session on historic preservation in the past. That's definitely something we can um, have again in the future because it is nuanced and we don't get too many appeals of these, but they do happen occasionally. Um, and again, just very loosely, the way the planning department um, regulates kind of identified uh, kind of landmarks and resources. We have one article that's Article 10 that's kind of very building specific, and then we have Article 11 that's district specific. So we have different preservation controls based on individual buildings versus um, larger district geographies. And then there are quite a number of kind of approvals and determinations that come from the zoning administrator. Um, basically everything the zoning administrator does, if, if they sign their name to it, is appealable to, to the Board of Appeals. Um, I highlighted the three that are most common, but I'll just run down the list. Obviously, variances um, are, are common. And again, variances require the zoning administrator to make five specific findings in order to kind of get over the hump. It's kind of purposely a bit of a high bar um, to grant the variance. Uh, we do have a couple of um, similar approvals that use the variance process. The code basically says, process these, do your public hearing, do, treat it just like a variance, but it's technically something different and there are different kind of criteria for review. You don't have the same kind of high, uh, high burden of the five findings. Those are rear yard modifications and that's typically in our neighborhood commercial districts. And then reasonable, reasonable modifications, that's a specific um, granting that the zoning administrator can make to specifically address um, uh, persons with disabilities and issues they may have with kind of access or specific features they need in their home. And again, that's a separate process technically from a variance. Um, we do allow, you know, we do have height limits in the city and we have the code has some exceptions to the height, right? You can do certain things like stairs and elevator penthouses, mechanical enclosures, obviously like kind of furniture and, and um, landscaping and parapets, things like that. They're all limited kind of in height and scope. Um, sometimes for larger buildings, there is a, an engineering code reason why that uh, penthouse or that elevator needs to be higher than 16 feet, like literally the equipment necessary to operate that kind of substantial elevator system requires it be greater than that. So we have a separate process that's basically just like a variance but there's a lower bar that basically says the ZA must determine that it's like necessary to meet kind of code and engineering safety requirements. Um, letters of determination are a little different because they're not in approval. It's the code basically states that the zoning administrator shall respond in writing to requests for determinations to interpret the code and how the code may apply to a property. So we get, we definitely get our share of appeals of those here because we have people coming and asking specific questions about their, usually about their property or a potential development scenario, or sometimes letters of determination aren't for a specific property, they're for a specific kind of business or organization that wanna be classified a certain way. And once they know that, then they'll know what properties they're permitted at. Um, and so we get a huge diversity of requests. Obviously when people get a determination they don't love or weren't hoping for or don't agree with, they have the option to appeal that here and those are often heard, those are definitely not uncommon. Um, 
moving more into uh, more in the kind of enforcement realm, if we realize that a permit has been issued by DBI and we think that it was issued in error for any reason, it could be that we made a mistake, it could be that the property owner had inaccurate plans, it could be that the permit was supposed to come to planning and it never came to planning. There's all kinds of reasons why a permit may be issued and we think it needs to be suspended so that some other action can happen to address whatever the issue is. More rarely, a permit gets issued and it's like it never, there was no path for this permit to ever legally be issued. And so that's where we may say, we're not gonna request a suspension, we're gonna request that it be revoked because there's not really, if you suspend it, there's nothing to do in the meantime before you unsuspend it. It's like, it's just nothing that can be approved. So whenever the zoning administrator writes that letter, signs that letter, sends it to DBI, it's appealable, just like any other letter of determination. And occasionally we will get those here. Um, and then notices of violation, we kind of talked earlier about like the progression that we use in the enforcement process. The, the planning code only calls out notices of violation. Um, we're not under any obligation to do anything other than notices of violation, but we actually have basically three layers before that um, to try to just give as much due process as possible and people the opportunity to take care of an issue without getting into a, a notice of violation. So typically if an NOV is issued, it's because you know we've tried to work with people and that hasn't worked um, for one reason or other. Sometimes it's radio silence, which we try to get in touch with people and try to get them to respond and they don't respond until they get that NOV. Um, sometimes there's disagreement about the violation itself, um, but Generally speaking, you know, the notice of violation is the formal notice that is appealable to the Board of Appeals, um, and that does come from the zoning administrator. Um, we mentioned before that um, coastal zone permits are appealable to the Board of Appeals unless they're in those geographies that are specific to um, the um, Coastal Commission's jurisdiction. Um, and depending on the type of permit and its location, sometimes it's approved by the zoning administrator, sometimes it's approved by the planning commission. Either way, it's still appealable to the Board of Appeals if it's not in the Coastal Commission's jurisdiction. Um, and um, service station conversions are another one of these little nuance. We have a lot of provisions in the planning code that are a little outdated, but you know, when they went in, like having enough gas stations was really important. And where they were located was very important, and removing them required a a conditional use authorization or an alternative option if you met certain findings the zoning administrator can allow a service station to be converted to another use that's still in the code that's technically still a process and that determination would be appealable here although again i don't know that i i don't i don't have any recollection of an appeal of a i don't actually have a recollection of maybe of any of these even be granted by the zoning administrator during my tenure but um rare but technically a possibility and i think it's worth pointing out again there are a lot of individual actions that may lead up to a building permit being issued. Um, we talked a little bit just about discretionary review and, all, and notice and all of that. Um, there are also a lot of situations in the code that give the zoning administrator the authority to grant um, administrative exceptions or modifications instead of having to go through a separate entitlement like a variance. It can be done administratively through the building permit process if certain criteria are met. Um, and so again, that's a separate decision that the zoning administrator has to make, 
but that individual decision isn't appealable. It's part of the building permit. So once that building permit is issued, someone could appeal the permit on the grounds that the ZA shouldn't have granted this administrative modification, right? Um, but it's just worth noting that there's, there is this kind of nuance that's kind of folds within the building permit itself. Thank you. So I was trying to just move to the very last one because that kind of rounded out. It's kind of rapid fire. Again, there are a number of things from the department itself, the Planning Commission, the Historic Preservation Commission, and the Zoning Administrator. I didn't count how many like dis discrete individual approvals there are. That would have been good to have as just in terms of number and something to throw out. Like there's 30 different types of approvals or determinations that could be appealed to the Board of Appeals. Um, but I just wanted to be able to put that out there to you so you kind of have that comprehensive list and kind of understand where those decisions are coming from. Um, and definitely I'm available for any questions you may have on, on any of those types of approvals or any of the kind of procedures or nuances around them. Commissioners, any questions? We have President Swig. Can we talk now? <laughs> yes, and also, by the way, we are on video, yeah. uh, TV and Alec fix the issue. Thank you. Um, not tonight. Um, could you supply us with a glossary of acronyms? Um, we were throwing around uh, NSR tonight, and I remember when I first signed on, uh, it took me about six months when I finally had the courage to say what's an NSR, uh, then I knew. But uh, would you be so kind as to provide us a most used glossary of of acronyms, so that will be. Yep, happy helpful. to do that. We actually have one in the department, yep. and I don't think it's been probably updated in some years, but it's a start at least, so that'll be good practice to update that and provide that. And and um, so we don't get every appeal um, that comes through planning. What is the tipping point that sends an appeal to the Board of Appeals? or to the Board of Supervisors, please. Sure, so all appeal options are spelled out either in the planning code or the charter or both, um, and that's really the source. And so things like conditional use authorizations, there, it's called out in the code that those are appealed to the Board of Supervisors and it lays out the, the bar for that appeal. Whereas, you know, for, so for a Board of Appeals, if you can just file, you know, you can, anyone can kind of pay and file the appeal for um, a conditional use authorization that requires either 20% of the property owners within a certain radius, kind of uh, from by area to sign on to the appeal, or I believe four supervisors to sign on to the appeal. Um, we often get conditional use authorization appeals that don't qualify. They're filed, they're reviewed, and they're determined to be um, ineligible to actually be heard. Um, so that's there. For CEQA, that's technically not the planning code, that's in the admin code, um, which kind of governs um, uh, the operations of CEQA, but it also calls out the appeal options they have there. Similarly, for short-term rental, those regulations are within the um, admin code, and it also calls out the appeal procedures there, which they call out a distinct body that's separate from the Board of Appeals. But they are the minority. The vast majority do come to the Board of Appeals. Mr. Trezvina. Thank you. 
Thank you, President Swig, for suggesting this presentation. It's extraordinarily helpful, and I appreciate it. Uh, the, uh, one of the acronyms I wasn't familiar with was B BBN, and I'm assuming that on the neighborhood notice that the, the issue is whether a neighbor got notice or not or adequate notice. Uh, can you explain a little more what the BBN process is? Sure. Um, the BBN, again, is a, it's a block book notation. So in the city, we have assessor's blocks, um, which are then divided into lots. So um, that's how we have our individual parcels that we use for our planning code regulations. And for any one individual lot, someone can basically state for the next year, any building permit that is filed or any type of application is kind of up to the request. Um, they pay a fee and they say for this lot for the next year, any of these types of applications filed before the planning commission can take action, you need to notify so-and-so, whoever that is. And that's basically a 10-day period. Um, we, a lot of times they provide their phone number or email and we just, if it's something over the counter, sometimes we get permits at our counter that can be approved over the counter, right? They don't require any process, they're minor. Um, in those situations, if there's a BBN, um, our staff will actually kind of right there and then try to call them or email them and try to see if we can get um, information on that. And sometimes that works, sometimes it doesn't. Um, and then typically, it used to be more by mail or by phone call and voicemail. Now it's more by email because that's easier. We will send an email. Usually the, the, the request itself calls out how they want to receive their notice, you know, by phone or by email. Um, and so we will send them an email basically saying, this permit has been filed. You have a request. This is like your notice of, of this being filed. It's your 10 days. Like, get back to us if you have any concerns or anything else. So what it does is create a window. If someone wants to file a review, I mean, a request for discretionary review, they have the window of time to do that. Because whenever we have a, a Section 311 notification, that's a very specific 30-day period. The notices go out, provides tons of information and plans, and it clearly calls out, you know, this is how you file a DR if you want within the 30 days. But after the 30 days, it's done. But you can file a discretionary review on any permit, even if Section 311, or not any permit, we can talk about that. But generally speaking, any permit can have a request for discretionary review filed on it, even if there's not a required notice. But of course, someone has to kind of be aware of it to, to know if they would want to file discretionary reviews. So again, the BBM process is something that's purely department process. It's not, a, it's not like Section 311 notice, and it's codified. It's purely um, a, a policy option that we give the public. Have you ever evaluated whether it causes undue delay or whether, it, whether it's beneficial or used enough? Um, I'm not sure if there's been any specific analysis, analysis in terms of, you know, how many do we get in a year and how helpful it is. I mean, I don't think there's any question that giving the public an option to be aware of permits they may not be aware of when they're interested may sometimes cause delay because it's going to create an opportunity for input where maybe that opportunity didn't exist before. In terms of kind of really understanding the extent to that, if we've ever done any you know uh, meaningful analysis on that, I'm not I'm not aware of it. Yeah, sure. So Commissioner Trezvini, I just want to say since my time here, I learned a nuance on the block book notice, and that's it. It only applies to permits that have to be approved by the planning department. If it's just strictly a building department permit, uh, they don't have a, a notice requirement. So 
just a little nuance. Right. And that's a good point because it is purely a planning department option that we offer as a department. Okay, thank you. Uh, Vice President Lopez. Yeah, my question's about the BBN too. That was a, a new acronym for me uh, tonight and an interesting one. Uh, my question is, do, does the property owner receive notice of a, of a BBN that's been issued related to their property? Or, or what's the process by which a property owner could, could sure. find out if they have one on their property? That, I, to be perfectly honest, I'm not 100% sure if they are or, and or how they're made, if they're notified if a BBN is filed on their property. I, I would definitely look into that and, and let you know. Um, just off the top of my head, I don't want to say yes for sure without checking. I'm also I'm slightly surprised that the BBN is the <laughs> the little guy who's getting all the attention. It's funny. <laughs> Any further questions? We will go move on to public comment if, if there are no further questions. Or okay, so we're going to move on to public comment. I see Robert Fruchtman has his hand raised. Please, Mr. Fruchtman, please go ahead. You have three minutes. Uh uh, thank you. Good evening, Commissioners. My name is Robert Fruckman. I am a volunteer lead with San Francisco YIMBY. Um, I find this uh, presentation very informative. You know, I thank uh, you know Corey T for the presentation. Now, I want to add some color to the presentation and about the uh, environment for appeals in San Francisco. In 2017, uh, UC uh, Berkeley, the Turner Center, did a roundtable discussion with a series of people in the uh, uh, development industry about major uh, drivers of rising housing construction costs in San Francisco. And I'm going to read you a paragraph, which I think is uh, very illustrative. <clears throat> uh, quote, another challenge is the frequency of appeals on projects, including affordable or workplace housing. In San Francisco, every permit is appealable. Since very few large-scale projects match the city's existing building and planning codes, this translates into numerous opportunities for appeals and contributes to delays in the entitlement process. Focus group participants note that a large percent of appeals are eventually denied, meaning that the time spent on the appeal does not typically produce different outcomes other than increasing the time and cost in pre-construction. Uh, said one participant, there is no benefit to the public. The need to get exceptions approved just adds cost, uh, end quote. Uh, so, commissioners, I urge you to take that into account as you make decisions on appeals. As San Francisco undergoes an update to its housing element, um, we have seen in the latest draft that there is uh, potential for fewer appeals, and hopefully that amounts to fewer uh, construction, uh, added construction costs and delays. So I urge you to take that into consideration as you make decisions. Thank you. Thank you. Is there any further public comment? Please raise your hand. I don't see anybody. So commissioners, this concludes the hearing. Yeah, I'd just like to, um, uh, I'd, I'd just like to advocate that we continue this series of uh, informational uh, seminars. Uh, uh, I, when I was at uh, JR's, uh, uh, hearing by rules, uh, Supervisor Peskin bemoaned the fact that there was an orientation 
a formal orientation in uh, commissions. I share that bemoaning of that, that fact. And I think the better that we can be uh, informed through ongoing orientation, since there isn't one in advance, uh, the better we are as a commission. So I uh, thank uh, Supervisor Peskin for uh, bemoaning that fact, and I would advocate that we have a continuing series of, of informational ses sessions, whether it's to learn acronyms or uh, details with regard to code. So thank you very much, Mr. Teague, for joining us this evening, and thank you, commissioners, for um, being willing to go through the seminar. And I think that ends the hearing. Okay, thank, thank you. you.